Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letizia. with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of In That Number. Proud to be a part of the Sports Social Network. This is episode 179. Uh, another busy week, two more games to cover, our exit in the Carabao Cup at St James's Park and our ill-fated trip to Brentford on Saturday in the Premier League. Pressure on Jones already, dodgy comments, dodgy team selection, compels an awful week on the pitch. Everton picking up three unexpected points too, meaning we're well and truly bottom and signs are looking bleak. Can we dig ourselves out of this mess? Maybe not. Uh, We'll discuss the problems with the team selection and that B team on Friday night. Uh, But off the pitch, transfer business was concluded. Winter window slammed shut and Nathan Jones added two more shiny toys 
to his ever-growing front line. Uh, Kamal Dean, Sulamala and Paul Onuachu have joined previous sign-ins, Mislav Orsic, Carlos Alcaraz and James Bree to cap it all off. Uh, we'll discuss the hectic deadline day and we'll have Tim's preview of another crunch game at the lower end of the table as we entertain Wolves, who themselves picked up some vital points against Liverpool. Uh, we also have the results for our player and goal of the month for January. And of course, we'll catch up on all the other news that's floating around the club from the past week. Uh, sadly, no Moscow mush this week. <laughs> His stress levels are way too high. Uh, but fear not, we have Tim on hand to assist. So welcome back, Tim. Uh, firstly, before we get bogged down with all the Saints, let's let's talk about your week. How have you been? Man, things are crazy. Wrapping up here with a lot of work stuff, but uh, overall, uh, progressing and uh, freezing my tail off. And it was like in the negative degrees here yeah. Fahrenheit for <laughs> for a little for a few days. But if you're in the New England area and listening, um, you had it way worse than we did here. So, um, in fun fact, uh, Mount Washington, in which is the highest point in the eastern half of the United States, had a wind chill that was recorded below 100 degrees at Ouch. minus. It was minus 100 degrees for the yeah. windshield there. And, and there's me so, complaining about, about minus two. Oh, yeah. Celsius, <laughs> oh, yeah. of course. But, yeah, yeah. still, wow. <laughs> how, are you, how are you doing, though? I've been busy with work, as usual. been busy with Saints stuff. been uh, uh, doing my bit for the BBC article. Nice little plug there uh, about the transfer window. So, yeah, I've been... I've been kept busy with Saints this week and bottom of the league, three points off it. It's it's just yeah, it's um it's it's not a good time at the moment and plenty, plenty to talk about. Um but I mean if you are enjoying the show, then please consider showing your support uh, and, and visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Uh show your appreciation to us. Any donation will be greatly appreciated. Okay, Tim, we need to we need to check in on the uh, ITN news and there's lots to go through um, so yes let's let's do that now this is ITN in that number news okay there's only one place that I can think to start and that is with Nathan Jones um, the pressure is mounting mounting on him already uh, after three months at the helm and really, I mean, it's only the cup runs that have given us a false impression. Uh, but most importantly, the thing that he was brought in to do was to keep us in the league. Um, and Sport Republic have given him the funds. We broke the record fee uh, and we find ourselves bottom of the league and now three points off the safety zone. Four, if you factor in goal difference, which is getting increasingly worrisome. Um, Leeds have two games in hand, of course, but, you know, they're playing one of theirs at two o'clock on Sunday. I'm just concerned because Nathan Jones doesn't know his best 11. He's tinkered with formations and tactics. He's saying all the all the wrong things. He doesn't seem to be owning up to his mistakes and basically saying he's been pandering to other people's needs. Um, Ian Wright has called him out saying, you know, not to throw people under the bus. It just to me, Tim, it sounds like he's wobbling big time and you know, Twitter and Instagram, wherever you go, there is calls for his head. Um, it's really, really hotting up at the moment. I mean, isn't it his job to find the best 11 for that opponent? You work on your tactics during the week and you implement them on Saturday as per your game plan. What he is doing in the week, aside from telling Chaletta Sar to go and play 90 minutes with the kids, oh no, it's beyond me. Um, but yeah, what, what's your thoughts on, on the whole Nathan Jones 
situation at the moment and the club. I mean, the worst thing, the way to describe it is disappointing. Overall, I mean, there's so many things that you can take a look at as we could potentially be beat better. You know, I know Ralph, Ralph has left us recently and he talked and uh, we have this new uh, he we have this new guy who's energetic. Um, he's he's well, she's got the right. Ad, he, he, he won't say he has the right attitude, but he's got the right fire in the in the presence to bring us in. We have new ownership. We have all these new signings. And then he goes off and he does these things that really just seem to completely tick everybody off. I mean, there was four people that were left on the uh, that were not even in the bench: uh, Gineppo, Sekumara, Mislav Orsic, and then Chaletasar. Oh, and Bella Kachap, complete head scratchers overall. That those, but those four didn't even make, didn't even make the bench. Why are they going and playing with the B team? Like, what is what is going on here? I think he's out of his element. I think he he's is, out of yeah. his depth, and then he's just being frustrated because he's not being successful. And it's just, it's cyclical. It's a massive downfall, and I don't know what to think. I'm, I'm extremely disappointed. And bro, I'm just not having a good time right now. No, and you know he had the time in the World Cup. He had that break. Not many managers have that. They they get you know they come in, they you know play one game, and that was against Liverpool, wasn't it? Then they get a four week break, and there's a chance to put things right. What the previous regime was doing wrong, and it seems to me that he's he's been you know throwing up these stupid formation stupid stupid tactics doesn't know his best formation it hasn't been working so he's changed it again and the fact that he said he's pampering to people's or pandering to people's needs it's i don't know i don't know what's happening there does that is that against his coaches is are the coaches telling him, oh you need to play a certain way and he's gone okay i'll do that and if it doesn't work then i know who to blame i, I mean i just don't know and the whole Chaletta Sar thing is is completely crazy. I mean, I'll, I'll quote him here because he said, I spoke to Duya this morning uh, and said, these are the reasons why you can come and sit on the bench at Brentford and maybe not get any minutes and arrive Monday morning having missed two weeks of game time. Or we can go and do an hour in the B team. And that was the talk. It's vital. And the reason he played is because he is important. It's not that we don't want him in the first team. It's because he could play and be in a better place than he would be sitting on a bus, uh, sitting in a hotel and watching Netflix. It's a means to an end. I'm convinced, Tim, that he's punishing him for that red card. And I mean, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when he did it, that that tackle, that, that meant that we had a fighting chance in that second leg against St. James's Park, uh, against Newcastle at St. James's Park. But to me, it just seems like he's blaming other, everyone else other than himself. Yeah, and, we, and we've heard that in the, in the write-up to him knowing that he'll get a little aggressive as he did at Luton. So when things aren't going his way, they'll be the other people's, their other people's problems. And I, I mean, what do you, the red card to me, I mean, it's two yellows. I, I, I see the run of play and how things worked out to be. I mean, I think he just has to hate the guy's amazing jawline and beautiful haircut. That's pretty, I mean, what else, what else is there? Because I mean, he's, he came from Marseille. He's a, he can play, at in the in the the lower I'm gonna say in a top six league in what is a Champions League qualifying team, mm-hmm. you know he 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 could be a a squad player for a team like Tottenham. I really do feel that, and yet he's not there because of what Nathan Jones like because he he just doesn't feel like it. It, it just feels like there's just something it feels like an ego something. thing, doesn't it? Like, oh, I'm yeah, going to you out. And... I'm going to win without you and I'm going to show everybody that I can do it. 
It's yeah, he just needs to drop that, I think, because he, he's been one of our best players this year defensively, and he yeah. doesn't. But he doesn't know that. He doesn't seem to realise that. You ask any Saints fan, who would you want? If okay, if there was no one suspended, nobody injured, you, I'm including Tino in this as well, and you had your your your, your depth chart. Everybody seems to know what our best eleven is on any given any given day, but for me, it just seems like he doesn't. He still doesn't know that yet. And the fact that he's leaving out people like Bella Karchap, the fact that he's leaving out Duya, it doesn't look good at all. And I'm more convinced every day that he is out of his depth in this league. And it's a, it's been a big mistake. I'm not saying that, you know, not firing Ralph Hasenhutl was the, was the right or wrong thing to do. I, I think Ralph's time had come. But I also think the appointment of Nathan Jones was a big mistake too. So they've made... Many, many mistakes. And is it too late for us to turn it around now? Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I I think I sent you guys the message of the seven stages of grief. What what level are we at? Mm. Um, I mean, I think I'm past denial at this point. Um, I, I just don't <laughs> see a way around it with Nathan. Jo- I, I don't see you know, the, the last time that I truly think we had hope was probably – maybe the one game after the three game straight winning streak that we had after other than that, I, I haven't seen it. Like I just haven't seen it. Where, where is it coming from? Where are the goals coming from? Where's the opportunities? And I feel like there's a massive disconnect between ownership and between the manager right now. And because certainly the fans as well. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Cause Fort Republic has went out and gotten players and then it's then the manager's job to work with them to ensure that they can be gelled and meshed directly into the team and to be successful. And I feel that there's enough talent uh, between the players in which we sign, which is a massive amount of them, that there needs to be doing something better than what we're currently at. And it's a massive problem. Yeah, and if you look at his his results when he came in, let's forget the cup. So you look at them from the start of that Liverpool game. He lost 3-1 to Liverpool, lost 3-1 to Brighton, lost 2-1 to Fulham, lost 1-0 to Forest, beat Everton 2-1. Uh, that was only because James Ward-Prowse saved us. Uh, lost 1-0 to Villa and now 3-0 to Brentford. It's not good enough. And, you, I mean, if you were looking at those fixtures before the game, before the games happen, you would say, OK, we can get a point against uh, Brighton possibly a point against Fulham. I know they're playing well. We had to take three points against Forest. We have to take three points against Everton, maybe a point against Villa and maybe a point against Brentford. If you're being so optimistic, but we haven't, we picked up three points and that is where it comes in. Like you're looking at the fixtures ahead now and you're thinking, I can't see us beating. I can't see us winning any of those games. Um, even Leicester, you thought, okay, they're, they're, they're on the way down, but they had, had a big win at um, Villa on, on Saturday and all these teams around us, they're picking up points now. They're scoring goals, and it's just that the, it feels like the whole league are laughing at us now, especially with a joke that we've got in charge at the moment. And I will say one thing as well. There's a fan forum next week, and I urge all of you that have been lucky enough to, 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 to well, who are lucky enough to attend, to put pressure on a lot of them and show your disappointment and ask about the club ambition, the tactics, the formation, uh, not being able to defend set pieces, letting everybody have a free header at all times. Don't power their egos and discuss the transfer business or the price of a pie or you know how the queues are going down at the concourse you have a voice and let it be heard let's not waste the opportunity to voice our major concerns here that's that's what we need to do at this fan forum we deserve better yeah, we do. and i don't know what to think about it but other than the fact that 
there's just pain there. And I mean, you grew up in Southampton. You're a local. You've been with this team since you were effectively, you can remember, as long as you can remember. For me, it's been, I mean, we're looking at probably a decade now, 10 or 11 years. And I don't have a, I don't have a true, tried and true connection to the area. So to me though, the, I mean, I would say the the pain, the the thoughts and the resonation, the resonation of that, it's likely now well over fifty percent chance that it's we're going to go down. Um, I mean, it hurts me, but I couldn't even fathom what it is to those who are, the you know, locals to the area. Well, I mean, growing up Saints fan in the nineties, it was always it was always a, a tough one, but you always knew you had the the, the players to get through it and I know I know we've obviously gone down in 2005 and that was a, a tragic time and follow the years following as well but this feels different to those 90s years I, I guess it's because you always felt that we were going to get out of it you always had Matt Letizier that's not enough now with the terrible terrible management that we're under yeah it's it's very very it's bad it's really really bad times and I, and I, I fear that the FA Cup run will save him for now but um, I'll put this to you Tim if they were to replace him Today, tomorrow, whatever, would we? Could we do this? Could we survive? Or is it still too late for that? No, I don't. You don't think, I, you don't I, think it's possible? You don't think with a, with a new manager, get that new manager bounce? I mean, Everton getting Sean Dyche in, they, you know, they go and win. They didn't. They didn't want him because he is not probably what is the best for a long term plan. No, he probably but, still won't be. But if he's in there to to, to keep them up, then why not? I'll yes. take anybody now. Yes, exactly. And now we're at the point where we should have gone for Deitch. And for us, it, he probably didn't see Southampton as the long-term best, you know, best fit for him. Would we have had the players to be able to match what he's looking for? Yes, we do. We've definitely got the players because we have 30 players on our senior roster right now that he can fit in just about anybody who's necessary. And plenty of those players could have easily can can definitely make it work. And it's unfortunate, but I'm resi- I guess I'm going to be resigned to the fact at this point. Yeah, it's it's it, again. I said it at the start. It's looking very bleak. It's uh, it's not a good situation. Um, but anyway, we'll move on from Nathan Jones because I don't want to keep talking about him. Um, I'm sure he'll, he'll come up again for the rest of the show. But um, FA Cup anyway. Fifth round draw happened on Monday night. Uh, I'm sure you're aware we drew Luton Town or Grimsby Town at St Mary's, which is exactly what your selection was in that mock draw last week, Tim, if you remember. So yeah, kind of you made it happen. So well done. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's fairly probable it will be the Nathan Jones derby, and I guess I guess we're happy with the draw. I mean. It's another home game, but, but I mean, Tim, if we end up losing to Luton, this will be the worst ever, won't it? Not just because we're out of the cup, but and it's the only good thing that we've got going at the moment, but it's Luton. Um, and pressure even more on Jones after that, because Luton are doing well at the moment. They seem to be fine without him, and, you know, we've suffered because of it. Yeah, absolutely. And credit to him for being able to build the team to where it's at, but maybe he wasn't everything that was truly necessary because you can see now that uh, the team has progressed and hasn't changed its course or uh, points per game since he's left. It's been the, it's stayed the same. So yes. So what would be the absolute um, nail in the coffin is to have Luton win against Grimsby and then uh, for us to, and then for us to play them and lose 
And then all of a sudden you can just say everything has come full circle that we took their manager and then we lost it for, and then we lost to him. And at that point he, he's sacked and <laughs> yeah, he's sacked saints go down, Luton go up. It's horrible. It, it would be horrible if that happened. And, and by the way, that replay uh, between Grimsby and uh, Luton will take place on Tuesday, the 7th of February at Blundell park. Um, and the fifth round will be taking place on Monday, the 1st of March, uh, 7.15 kickoff, uh, and it will be shown live on ITV4. That's all we're good enough for now, ITV4, apparently. Luton's sitting fourth in the table right now, mm. so the possibility of them going through to the playoffs is is, is very, is very very good. Yeah, but they're not going the playoffs up. Is, the playoffs are tough. Yeah, they still um, won't make it. I don't think they'll go up. But yeah. You never, you never know. Okay, yeah. So the only bit of good news that we 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 can talk about is is the is the window really, and it's it's well and truly shut now for the winter, and one of the busiest windows in recent history. Uh, it's what we wanted, but not necessarily what we expected. Um, Sport Republic spent some cash, a little over sixty million, uh, second most in the league as well. This is almost unheard of. So in that respect, yes, good bit of news. Uh, and of course, we already added uh, Mislav Orsic, Carlos Alcaraz and uh, James Bree, all of which have made their debuts. Uh, James Bree, of course, on Tuesday night against Newcastle. Uh, now we've added that striker, Paul Onuachu, £18 million pounds, uh, from Genk. Big, big man, six foot seven, goal machine, scoring 17 times in 22 games this season in the Belgian top flight. Um, he's the top scorer in that league, in that division. Um and a record deal for Ghanaian winger Kamaldine Sulemana from Rennes. Uh, that was £22 million. Uh, Tim, I believe you've been doing some research on our new recruits. Um, tell us firstly about Paul Onuachu. Well, I laughed because you asked me to do a small write-up on Paul. <laughs> and I, la- I laughed immediately because there's nothing small about this guy. <laughs> he is he-man. He is a gigantic son of a gun and he is just an absolute tank uh like you said certainly wouldn't want to be playing against him that's for sure oh geez yeah he is absolutely you know he's he's tall um but beyond the fact that he's just tall he he's your traditional target man six seven he's 28 years old and has been the leading scorer in gank uh gank from uh, in belgium and uh, in the time that he's been there uh, at, in, in the league. So um, overall looking at it, like you think, okay, he is the guy that we were talking about. He's the one that's got, he's the goal scorer. He's the one who's shown that he can do it. But all, overall, is he you know, the right person to be able to get us out? I think that's what, this is what the potential change for us is. Um, because if you're looking for a more direct style, uh, he would have been a perfect signing for Sean Deitch. Um, like you said, 79 <laughs> goals and 114 appearances overall, 17 appearances for Nigeria, three goals scored for them. The man is is absolutely crazy. I mean, he, he's a, he's a tried and true target man. So the majority of his goals are are, are through his head or in almost all of his goals are scored within the six yard box. That's so, what we need. That's exactly what we need. Yeah. Let, let Adam Armstrong and and Chai Adams and Sulemana and Orsic and everybody run around him. Uh, and mm-hmm. just leave the big man in the box uh, to put the ball in the back of the net. That's exactly what we need. Yeah, he's absolutely an aerial threat, and he's quicker than he seems because uh, mm, that was what I was a... interested to see. Because you know, a big six foot seven inch guy, he's not going to be that speedy, but uh, he's supposedly pretty quick. 
Yeah, I mean, he he's probably got a stride like a he. I'd say, he, you know, what is your comparison? You know, obviously we want to go with Peter Crouch as the comparison because you know you think of well, Peter Crouch is much more of a beanpole than yeah. than than Paul and Wachu. Does he play like that? He's he's basically a little bit he's a little bit better version of Peter Crouch. So to me. Um, his strength is going to be of his best, uh, his best importance. And I was hoping that a team like, uh, if he came in against a team like Brentford, where, um, <laughs> I, Christoph Iher, or he could have, you know, he could have dominated, but Ben Mee just took it, just took it to him. Uh, he couldn't get anywhere near where he needed to go. And, uh, I think he's got to, he's got to adjust really quickly to be able to handle the, the speed and movement of, of everything. Definitely some promise in this one, which yeah. is kind of, which is cool. Yeah, and there's a video that's gone viral this week of, of his hat-trick for, for Genk. Um, and it was coined the worst ever hat-trick. I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah. It, it was terrible. A, yeah, it wasn't a great hat-trick. But um, yeah, check it out. If you, I'm sure it would be too difficult to find, but yeah. Um, and Tim, Suleimana, Jones had said that this is another really positive addition for us this month. We've obviously been keen to add a little more potency to the side, and Camel Dean is someone who does that for us. He's at the stage in his career where we feel he can help us in the immediate term, but also continue to, to, to grow and develop further into the future. Now, I, I feel, Tim, that this is crucial because we have enough players that need developing. But do we need do we ha, do we do we have someone who's ready for the now um, and get us out of this mess? And if he is that person that can do that whilst still developing, because he's still young enough, then. This this is great. This is another good sign-in. I actually disagree. But let's talk about him really quick, though. Kemal Dietzimomana is a 20-year-old uh, winger signed from Stadrian. Uh, so recently out of favor. Uh, hasn't uh, He's only played 14 games or appeared in 14 games this season, where last year he really came into his own and appeared in 20 with four goals. Only th- this year he's only, like I said, 14 games with one goal and one assist. Mm. And Yeah, I saw he, that. Yeah, I wasn't impressed with that. <laughs> Yeah, which wasn't really impressed because he he he, he ba- the appearances were most of which were off the bench. Um, he be- recently became out of favor because Stavrien has a lot of great, really promising people, and um, I think I personally he looks good and once again he's got that promise. Um, uh, my a good friend of mine, his name's Gavin O'Hara. So if you're listening, uh, I know you better be listening, Gavin. Um, he's a big fan of the Ghanaian Na- Ghanaian national team. He. I asked him what he thought about him. He says, he's fast. Get him in space and let him simmer. And which, uh, you know, is always good to have with a lightning quick winger. But how many left wingers do we have on the team? Um, so Stavrien bought him for 17 million euros. I'm using euros right now because I just for the transfer market purpose uh, is where I pulled these numbers from. From uh, so Stavrien bought him from North Jylland, um for seven for 17 and then we bought them for approximately 25 million euros to 22 million pounds um i and that was only two that was only two years ago or a year and a half ago so i believe they flipped him for a quick profit knowing that there's if he was out of favor and he wasn't um you know, mm. if he's the type of person that when things are hard and you're in 20th on the table, you throw words around like shows to promise and one for the future. That's not what we need right now. I think that he's he's basically just uh, uh, Adam Armstrong with a lot higher upside and younger at this point because he's he's five nine lightning quick. He's going to press. He's going to play in those spaces. And he, he while he. Probably his second position would be that um, second striker or the support striker. He's a he's a left winger by trade, and 
I don't think he's the guy that'd be able to help us keep us up. And I feel so down being able to talk about this, but in the future, I, I think he could definitely, he, he definitely looked pretty, he, he definitely looked the most um, attack oriented and uh, shifty guy out there in, on the pitch uh, in the last 45 yesterday. I, I, I think he, I think he's going to be good. I'm, I'm being hopeful here. I, I think the speed is going to be massive for us because we don't have speedy players like that. Uh, and I do think it's going to be a problem for a lot of left backs, right backs rather. Um, yeah, no, no defender likes speed. That, that's the thing. And I think if he can run with the ball and gets himself integrated into this team really, really quickly, I think he could be, could be a weapon for us. I really do. And I, I'm quite, um, I'm quite excited about him to be honest. But again, <laughs> that could all go tits up because let's face it, it's Saints, right? So in total, Tim, we've taken our net spend to 60.9 million. Uh, problem areas have been addressed. Uh, of course, they're all, they're all going to need time and shouldn't get overexcited. Um, but I don't know. I think we have the right to be a little bit excited about this. Um, but Tim, give me your mark out of 10 in the transfer business. Quality versus quantity. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to give them this is the, for everything I just said. I'm going to give them a nine out of 10 because they're going for it. They are going and getting players that they have high upside potential, you know, potential for long term address problem areas with James Bree was a, a solid, basically a solid signing for some player that uh, Luton he knew from uh, from Nathan Jones knew from Luton has already started two games for us in the time frame with K- uh, Kyle Walker Peters injury. Um, I'm going to go with nine out of ten. I really liked what they did uh, this offseason or at least the January signing window. Mm. Oh, yeah, good, good. Um, and also, if you want to check out my uh, uh, BBC article, I wrote a, a little thing on on Saints transfer business, so you can go onto the uh, BBC webpage and, and check that out. Um, yeah, please read. Uh, yeah, and all those players coming in, and not one leaving, Tim. I'm slightly surprised by this, and I mean we've heard in previous windows, especially under Gal and Ralph, that it was a situation of one in, one out. Um, Sport Republic obviously don't want it that way. Um, we haven't cleared anybody out. And there's another clear indication that they are willing to, to spend the money. And I guess that's a good thing to come out of this window as well. It shows some intent from them. Um, and they're not there for a fast buck, supposedly. Uh, but we did uh, let a lot of players go out on loan for the rest of the season. And I'll, I'll run through those now. So we've got uh, every, so we've got Dinal Simi, who's gone to Morecambe. Dan and Lundaloo's at Bolton. Nico Lawrence at Torquay United. Uh, Will Tizard has extended his loan at Chippenham Town. Ryan Finnegan at Crewe. Luke Pierce at Eastbourne Borough. Kazima Legby at Harrogate Town. Uh, Lewis Payne has gone to Eastleigh. Of course, he joins um, Jake Hesketh and Aaron Martin, who's uh, still at Eastleigh. Uh, Thierry Small has gone to St Mirren. Jack Turner at Braintree Town. Uh, and of course, those that are already out on loan, Kegs Chalky at Exeter, Mateus Liss at Troy, uh, Nathan Teller at Burnley, Will Smallbone at Stoke. However, we did actually let 19-year-old Spanish defender Jeremy Rodriguez, um, he let him go, been released. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of players going out on loan now, Tim. Get them the experience so they can come back and help us with the championship push. <laughs> but, I mean, is, is this going to affect the under-18s and the B team now? Uh, well, no, because he's think... going to play. He's going to play Orsic in the B team, of course. So. We've got enough senior players that, I mean, at this point in time, I want Walcott uh, as a is uh, the captain and the perennial, uh, just the the guy who's there leading the charge there and in, uh, in left wing or striker wherever they choose to play him at. But he should just <laughs> keep playing in the B team and stay away anywhere from, uh, from the from our team. Hmm. 
Yeah, Walcott in the first team and, and Orsic not. That's a, that's a worry. <laughs> just another thought. Um, and just to add, uh, former Saints defenders Cedric uh, and Wesley Hoot are on the move again. And Cedric has joined Fulham uh, and Hoot is back in England with Watford. So uh, that should be funny. Probably be seeing them next year. Wesley Hoot. Anyway, uh, the, the one that stung a little bit, Tim, is the departure of promising youngster Jimmy J Morgan to Chelsea uh, in a package that is believed to be worth around six million now, that's a lot of money for a 17-year-old. But, I mean, if he turns out to be the player we think he could be, then Chelsea have got themselves a steal. Um, but, I mean, he wanted to leave, right, for first-team football. Does he think he's got a chance to get in that Chelsea side over ours? I think he's got a chance to make more money and make uh, and eventually push on to a different team. Because if you saw what Chelsea has done, they've signed tons and tons of players who are... Oh, I must have missed at, that. I didn't see that, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ticker down below on the screen in Sky Sports. Yeah. It's basically, who did Chelsea sign today? Or who yeah. is Chelsea rumored to sign today? Who haven't they fucking signed? I mean, come on, yeah. they've, got, they've got everyone now. And they still can't, they still can't buy a goal. Absolutely. Um, but to me, I, don't, I think he's looking for a higher salary and a higher, ch- and a higher chance to have notoriety. And he feels that he's better than what Southampton can provide. And so... If he feels that he's going to get get better experience at Cobham, I don't. I, good, go for, good for him. And you know, you're buying 17 year olds for I think it's three plus three. You know, yeah. for a total for a total of six. And then, unfortunately for him, and you should never want push injuries on him. You got he had a big knee injury that recently happened in the Kurds. So. Yes, yes, I've seen that. It's out for the next two months, I believe. Yes, so that's unfortunate, but bad timing, um, yeah. Yeah, bad timing. Don't want to wish injuries on anybody. Um, car- and talk about karma. That's not it. That's not any of it. But point is, is he thought he was doing something better for himself. I don't think he did the right decision. But I feel that because of all the signings that he saw recently, that uh, he didn't see that opportunity to go firsthand. And no. he, he, he's not. He, if he doesn't think he's going to get a chance with us. He sure as hell is not going to get a chance at Chelsea. No, exactly. That's my point. I think it's just, yeah, like you said, just more money and, and the chance to move to London, I guess. That's that's what he wants to do. Then then good luck to him. Um, and obviously, yeah, hopefully his, his recovery goes well because you never want to see that with, with, with a 17-year-old as well. Um, I'm going to go through some of the loanees over the week that's just been then. Uh, Dinel Simeu at Morecambe. He played the full 90 minutes in their 5-0 defeat to Derby. Ouch. Um, and he picked up a yellow card as well. So not a very good day for Morecambe and, and Simeu. Uh, Nico Lawrence made his league debut in a 1-0 win over Woking on Tuesday. Uh, Ryan Finnegan at Crewe, he came on for his debut in a 1-1 draw of a Stockport. Uh, Lewis Payne made his National League debut at left-back in a 2-0 loss to Barnet at Silver Lake. Um, Thierry Small made his league debut in a 3-1 win at Aberdeen. I mean, he came off the bench with 15 minutes to spare and he grabbed an assist for the last goal. So that was a good start. Um, Didn't get the start in the next game. He came off the bench again and they lost 1-0 to Hibs. Uh, So that is the low knees for the week. Uh, Tim, we've had some birthdays this week. Lianco, it was his birthday on Wednesday. Wednesday the 1st. How old is Lianco now? 25. He's 26 now. Oh. Billy Sharp. Sheffield United All-Star over there. Yes. I guess. Okay, so he was at Saints, uh, and mm-hmm. his birthday is uh, today, actually, Sunday the 5th of February. How old is Billy Sharp today? Oh, he's got to be like 38 or 39. Oh, he's 37. Oh. 
Um, and lastly, uh, tomorrow's birthday. We've got Sam McQueen. Good old Sam McQueen. How old is Sam tomorrow? Oh, Sam, I love you, man. Uh, 27. Uh, 28 tomorrow. And yeah, obviously not playing anymore because of injury, uh, etc. Uh, Tim, right, okay, we have the really, really exciting news now that I'm sure everybody wants after the weekend that we've had. Uh, it's the player and goal of the month for January. Uh, where do you want to go first, Tim? I'll let you decide. Player or goal? Let's go with player of the month. Okay, we'll go with player then. Okay, so we gave you four to choose from in the month. They all come from our man of the matches. So we went with Lianco. James Ward-Prowse, Roman Perro, and Carlos Alcaraz is in there. He actually scored 0% of the votes, so that's unlucky. Uh, Lianco get 3% of the votes. Roman Perro with 30%, and of course the winner, James Ward-Prowse, with 67%. Had a great month, uh, and he obviously capped off that brilliant, brilliant performance against Everton that, that gave us the three points, the only three points uh, of the month. So James Ward-Prowse wins Player of the Month for January. Uh, goal of the month. This was a little bit difficult, right? Because nine goals we scored in, in January, which is which is very impressive, um, considering we, we, we have been struggling with goals. Um, and it was a very, very difficult choice to whittle it down to four. But we, we did give you uh, Musa Gineppo's lob against Man City, James Ward-Prowse free kick against Everton, Roman Perro's free kick against Blackpool. Uh, and Che Adams' long-range strike against Newcastle. Tim, which 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 would you go with? Who did you vote for? I actually really liked Che's goal. Mm. I think that was something, as much as we come to expect, James Ward-Prowse and doing all those other things, I did like how, in terms of how far it was out, the quality of the strike, and then... I guess in the context of him being, we're being down and he's just saying, go for it. I'm going for it. And it was, I mean, it was beautiful. And I think looking at it and I'm sure Nick Pope is probably pissed that he let a goal in after what, I mean, like a billion minutes at that point. Um, but I'm going to go with Che because that one took that, that one was uh, against well against the run of play. And I was very happy for him. Out of nowhere. Yeah. I think any other month that would have won. Yeah, definitely, because we all know that Adams doesn't score weak goals, does he? Um, whenever he scores, it's always a belter like that. But yeah, that only got 19% of the votes. Uh, Roman Perro's lost with 9% of the votes. I guess you can put that down to the Blackpool wall, just kind of separating a bit. So that's probably why his wasn't that high up. Uh, James Ward-Prowse's free kick, despite it being the winner against Everton and gave us the three points, only took 26% of the votes. But a massive 46% of the votes was Musa Gineppo's lob against Man City. Uh, in the AFL Cup quarterfinals, so Musa Gineppo wins goal of the month. There was it, so that was uh, that was a fantastic goal. Don't get me wrong, but mm. that's more on the more on the belief that uh, Ortega was way off his line. Mm. So he played him well, and I mean, kind of similar to the Che Adams goal against Manchester City, his first goal against for Southampton a while back, um, but from a little closer in. Um, I think that was to the benefit of a massive mistake on their end, whereas I think that was to allow him to be better, which is why I didn't go with that one, um, because he just took he took advantage of the situation. Whereas, um, yeah, not not unlike Perro's free kick either. Correct. Yes, because it was a mistake on their end, which is why I didn't um, consider that one either. But still, both good strikes, and again, oh, it's, it's nice to be it's nice to have uh, some positives to talk about, especially. You know where we're coming off of. Uh, B, B team then <laughs> last match into the quarterfinals of the Premier League Cup with a one-nil win over Sheffield United. That was of course on Friday evening. 
This was cause of a lot of talk this weekend with the inclusion of Bella Kocciap, Giletta Saar, Gineppo and, and Orsic. Unbelievably, you know, included in the B team on the eve of a crucial Premier League game. And arguably our best two centre-backs and Orsic, who has been offering. He's got to be offering more than, than Elianusi. And then if he's not, why the fuck did we buy him? It's just, I mean, yeah. To pander to our needs of new signings, is that what you meant for it? I don't know. I mean, come on. It was good. Um, good friend of the show, Colt Baker, um, on Twitter, uh, Stateside Saint on Twitter, if you want to follow him. Um, he tweeted this, which made me chuckle. Uh, With the greatest of respect, who mixed the lineup sheets for bees and the bees this weekend? So yeah, maybe that was it. Um, but yeah, so uh, a win for the B team, nevertheless. Um, and also, uh, Don Ballard has been nominated for. Premier League Two Player of the Month for January. So that's that's good news. Women currently playing Crystal Palace at two o'clock. Um, and they've also got a new signing for the women's team. They've got midfielder Chloe Peplow. She's joined on loan from Reading uh, from the Super League. Oh, actually, she's been on loan at Crystal Palace in the championship since the start of the season. But she does actually still play for Reading in the Super League. So that's um, that's a good signing for them for the rest of the season. Hopefully she can help out. Uh, and the under 18s. Uh, into the quarterfinals of the Premier League Cup, and they lost 4-0 uh, to Aston Villa at Staplewood, uh, and that was on Saturday. Uh, so, yeah, they're out of that. So, unlucky to the under-18s. Um, next up for them, they play Fulham on Tuesday, the 7th of February, and that's the FA Youth Cup. And that's St Mary's as well, so get your tickets for that one. Right, Tim, uh, I, I want to talk about Newcastle. Not not too much. I don't want to go too much into this game because it was always an uphill battle, wasn't it? And four changes that he made then. He went with a back five, uh, Bree making his debut and Jan Bednarik getting his first start since his return um, in the heart of that back three. Um, decided not to go with DCC, Gineppo and Orsic, much like Brentford. Um, but firstly, Tim, what did you make of the, 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 the starting lineup against Newcastle? We needed a goal. And we go five at the back, which has shown under mm. Ralph and under him yeah. as in that it hasn't been successful. Now, again, so, only only we can see this, right? Because he doesn't seem to know. Yeah. So he goes and tries it and he doesn't and it doesn't work. So right there to me, that screamed failure because right off the bat, we knew that something was going to go wrong because. It is shown time and time again. And so right now, when we look at it, you look back and you think, okay, well, there were two players that were fairly new. So with Alcaraz and Bree, and I felt that at least initially, both of them were out of place because they are both uncomfortable in the positions that they were in. Bree, brand new starting out, Alcaraz, brand new starting out, but ultimately, have not been familiar with those types of positions. So Bree being in a back four, which Nathan Jones predominantly used, decides to put him in a back five in a wing back role and then throw Walker Peters on the left side. So Walker Peters can feel like we can throw him anywhere and it's been good. But those two players, what ended up happening was is they lacked, there was lack of movement on both of their ends, which allowed for significant buildup both into the, the middle third of the pitch and then into the final third of the pitch there. And it's not to play be against them, but for me seeing that, it shows that they were too static because they were more concerned about not making a mistake 
than they were about actually doing what's necessary. It wasn't a, it wasn't a natural touch to them. So right off the bat, we, I felt there was significant issues alongside a lack of connection uh, between Bree and Leonco, and then ultimately nothing really going on for for us going forward. Um, and unfortunately, like I said, Walker Peters got injured. Leonco made some mistakes. Uh, we're proud had a stinker of a game. Just not not fun overall. Yeah, and it was a, it was a disappointing loss, but I'm getting it was expected, wasn't it? I don't think anyone expects us to turn that around and a ground a ground that we don't usually win at. You know, we've not won since 2015. That's one in 19, um, and they of course they had that one nil from the first leg. Um, Sean Longstaff scored twice inside 21 minutes to make it an unsaleable lead, really. And Tim, I think it was imperative that you know if we were going to get the win there. Then we needed to start well, and we didn't do that, did we? We gave ourselves an even bigger task uh, when Longstaff gave them the lead after five minutes. And, yeah, Trippier did all the work there and slipping it into to Longstaff, who scored easily. And I think Bazunu should have done a lot better with that because that shot wasn't even in the corner. And, yeah, just another more red flags for me on, on Gavin Bazunu there. How did we make Sean Longstaff look like... Uh, how did we make him look so good? How do we make him look like Prime McKellar? I can tell you exactly there? how we made him, because that's what I, I slagged him off. I said last week in the build-up, I don't like Longstaff, I think he's crap, and then boom, he scores two goals. He's waited four years for a goal, and he scores two, just after I said that, so it's my fault. Yeah, and, you know, we're making Joel, Joel Willock look good. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it just... It, no, like it was bad. I mean, it just was not. There was nothing positive there. Uh, I mean, I love. I think Lavia is one of our best players, and he. They had him started on the bench, and maybe they felt that they could have a little bit more of an attacking lineup in the midfield because they had the five defense d- defenders there. But you've got Salisu and Bednarik and Leonko, who none of them should be are are better than Lavia on the ball. That's that's an easy that's an mm. easy item to think about overall i know he made the quick adjustments there going into the going into the half um and he also had to make an adjustment pretty quickly with Kyle Walker Peters going out and bringing in and going to a back four uh which did help eventually solidify things um but it wasn't it was shit it yeah. was shit i mean um, yeah like, I do, like longstaff was just in the right place at the right time i think the the, the work that uh trippier did and i even the second one it would come down that wasn't it uh was it Willick down that left hand side that just uh, that just came in and then slotted it into him and Longstaff just didn't really have to do much he just got into the right place right time and, and slotted them both away. I'm not going to blame Bazzini for the second one but the first I just think I just think he could have got a stronger hand to that because it was like I said it wasn't in the in the corner it was just on onto his just down to his right and I thought he just wasn't strong enough there. Bazzini is being left down by the the forwards who are being left down by the midfielders who are being left down by the defenders and everyone else is letting people down. Um, it's just it's really unfortunate. I think Bazzini does have some issues. I think the biggest issues that we can easily see are him in his lack of uh, decision-making when it comes to crosses. I'm a little scared as he, every time he comes out for the ball. Um, decisiveness, how do I know that? Because I'm a keeper and I know I'm exactly the same way, playing in a rec league. So he's not in a rec league. He's in the Premier League. Um, the I do want to give, and this isn't my man of the match, but I do want to give props to uh, Ben Narek, um, 
this is people are going to be like, oh, I don't want him anywhere near the team, yada, yada, yada. Well, he came back in after having a loan uh, away from the team, not going well. He comes back and we haven't seen him. We haven't heard a peep from him about causing issues. He's he's ready to get back in. He's ready and playing. And he's not um, there hasn't been any friction on that end. Yeah, he's so, being released for good behavior, isn't he? Yes, <laughs> That he's is out, correct. He's out of the fan prison. That's that. That's for sure. But, um, we, we have enough other problems than than Jan van Erik at the moment. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we did have something to cheer about. However, we had a wonder strike from Che, as you mentioned during the uh, uh, the goal of the month. Um, and yeah, again, I said, I say it again that if he, if it wasn't this month, then he probably would have won it any other month because it was a fantastic hit. Um, and he just like kind of latched onto a mistake from Newcastle. It, you know, making a mistake in possession, which is not like them. And took his chance. Well, it, it wasn't even a chance, was it? It was more hopeful. And yeah, that's Pope conceding. And that's the first in 15 hours, actually, Tim. So, uh, yeah, not not quite a million or whatever it is, what was it you said. But yeah, 15 hours of football, um, he hasn't conceded. And that came from nothing. And it gave us a little bit of hope. Yeah, and I genuinely thought it was a billion hours because if the last time that we played him and Perot scored against him, that was the last time he conceded. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> no, He's got but... a problem conceding against Saints, hasn't he? Can... <laughs> Thanks for the charity. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, makes us makes it's like table scraps at the end of the, at the end of the meal. Adams, great job. That's what you got to do. That's what you it's what you want for your number nine. Uh, yeah, well, it's amazing the, that how he how he scores those goals like that, but yet he can't score the uh, the ones where he's got to think about. Like Kev said last week, is when that's his problem. It's time. When he's mm-hmm. got time, he, he he messes it up, and when he hasn't, he um, uh, he does that. He's gonna be great as a championship striker again. Oh, Tim. Yeah, and Armstrong, Adam Armstrong, he had a chance. Uh, just, uh, he had a chance just after 17 minutes, and Lavia comes on, of course, and puts that lovely through ball through uh, to Armstrong, who was onside, uh, just went one-on-one with Pope for a brief second, tried to dink it over him. But that's on Pope, I think. That was a great save, because as soon as Armstrong made that move, which was excellent again, by the way, uh, Armstrong and, and Lavia did really, really well there. Uh, Pope was at him, you know, he made himself big and that was brilliant goalkeeping rather than a wasted opportunity. Yes, overall, great pass, Lavia, great first touch by Adam Armstrong, because mm. a lot of times we've been seeing recently that the the first touch can get away from our team. Uh, so that was amazing. And Pope then came in, cleared, came in, took out basically as much of the angle that he possibly could. Um, could Adam Armstrong try to get around him? Uh, yes and no, but decision making there is not to uh, not to fret. But overall, uh, I think, yeah, I think it was just good plays all around on everybody. But Pope got the best of it, and it's going to be great for Lavia's highlight reel. That is, that pass was the sweetest of all three of them. Oof, brilliant. That was brilliant. That was brilliant. Brilliant vision. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I want to talk about the, the, the other talking point in this game quickly. That uh, Gimmerish received a yellow card for a tackle on a dozy, later changed to a red upon review. Uh, what are your thoughts on this tackle, Tim? The intent wasn't there, but it was clearly a red. So Thank you. They, I think there's something, yeah, as well. Uh, yeah. In, in the case of in this situation, he went in with too high of, a, high of a stud. I don't believe he went in there trying to go in and grab the throat like uh, Casemiro did yesterday against Will Hughes where it's true violent conduct. I think that he ah. made a bad, he made a bad tackle and he paid for it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you can't do that. You can't go around doing that. But yeah, 
Um, I, I, the only reason I ask if it, you know what you think of it, everyone thinks that's a red card, right? Because it, it was a red card. I mean, he put his studs on his ankle. It's dangerous play. It's a, it's a leg snapper. But Paul Merson is basically blaming it on a dozy. Uh, apparently, his foot went where it shouldn't have been. You fucking moron. Get off my TV, you clueless prick. How can that? How can he be putting his foot where it shouldn't have been? I mean, oh, come on. That is just ridiculous. We're giving money to these people to talk about it on TV. Absolutely ridiculous. You'd think there would be a little bit less of a bias. And unfortunately, I can't hear it. So I'm taking your uh, word for uh, yourself at its word. But that's terrible to think about where. Yeah the context of getting in a, into a situation where you're purposely causing the other person to be, no, that's, that's not how it works. Yeah. So someone gets punched in the face and he's like, wow, I mean, he put his face right against his fist there. Oh, come on for God's sake. Get oh, just, yeah. Awful. Red car was the right decision. And yeah, that, that just made, that just makes me angry when I hear things like that. Cause it's, it's just no need to say things like that. You're just trying to be a little bit different. I mean, no, fuck off. I, I don't want to hear that. That's, yeah, just ridiculous. Made me angry, and it's still still making me angry talking about it now. But, um, yeah, the 10 men didn't affect them, unfortunately, and they held on, and we didn't really do enough after the Che goal, did we? And not good enough for longer stretches of both games and deserved to go out upon reflection. And, New, I mean, Newcastle were fine letting Saints have a slight majority in possession because that's what we got. We got, I think we got 55% possession. So they were fine by that. When you're 3-1 up on aggregate, you can afford to drop off a little more because, you know, we weren't threatening enough. We, we were shit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, hey, you can sit you. back and... Yeah, I mean, if you're making you're making changes in the 77th minute by putting Joe Rebo in and then Sekumara coming in in the 88th, like you're not going to win. You're not going to get that extra goal doing him that that late. You got to make those changes earlier. Yeah, and I, I said at the start of it about um, Jane, Nathan Jones making some bizarre comments this week, and there's been so many this week that I've been trying to trying to go through and trying to get the the, the best of the bunch. I guess you call them the best anyway. Um, and he had some things to say about the back five. And he said in a back four, if you're passive and sit off, it doesn't matter if you play a back five. Back three, whatever you do, if you're passive, then you don't get up the pitch. We had to change because they weren't doing what we'd asked them to do. It suited us better and we were better in a four. We can't just say, OK, we can't do that, because if we're not versatile and we're not able to do that, then we won't develop as a side. But we were better in a four because we were more aggressive. He just is generally angry and his rowed. I don't know. I don't like it anymore. Well, he says he says we usually score when we play a back five. Uh, we have to be flexible. It's just how we press. Systems don't win games. Personnel do. You have to be tactically astute. It wasn't because we played a back five versus Newcastle that we conceded goals. No. I don't think he even knows he, he even knows what he's doing at this point. <laughs> no, uh, but the stats on this game, 55 percent possession to their 45. Right. So we, we've seen a little bit more of the ball. But what did we do with that? Nothing. We had eight shots to their 15 and three of them on target to their seven. I mean, yeah, I would have expected us to have less possession, but it doesn't really matter. Like I said, if they, if they get the early goal, then then it's fine. They basically got two early goals, sat in thinking, OK, we've got a three goal lead. We're not going to press and we're going to save ourselves for uh, the next the next game at this point. When they were they went up two because they were three, three oh on aggregate. Um, they knew that they were just cruising for the win at this point. 
Yeah, and to me, it just seems like they're a team of destiny this year. It just seems like the title's theirs. I know they've got to play Man United in the cup final now, but it does seem like it was all on them. It was all about them. Yeah, and we we, we weren't there to spoil any party of theirs. Um, before we move on from this match, I just want to hear your, your first impressions of James Bree. How did you think he paired? I think he looked a whole lot more comfortable in the back four, and I think he is exactly what the scouting report says he can he can have a good cross when he needs to yes he, seven crosses he put in that's three more than Perro. yeah so I, I i think he's solid there's nothing spectacular about him but to me in terms of you know who, who would you prefer kyle walker peters or james Bree? walker peters is easily the choice but if you have to throw Bree in as what would be the consider the backup i'm not going to hate it going no. forward no, I, i'm it, it's you know, it turns out their their smallest signing is the one who's making the biggest impact at this point. <laughs> yeah, um, man of the match then, uh, tough one, but it's not as going to be as tougher as it was against Brentford. So I'm going to go first on this one and let you do the first on, on Brentford. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it to Che this time because of the wonderful goal um, and he had the most shots. That was, that was two. So uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to Che, man of the match for me. Che Adams was the most uh, lively one of the group and once again put in a shift, hard work, but then made a wonder strike. So congrats to him. Good man. Good man. Uh, OK, then we go to the red and white derby then. Uh, Brentford, of course, and both similarities there. Uh, quick rises up the leagues and they both had Rasmus Ankerson as well. But that's where the similarities end, because, of course, this season they've been excellent and they're actually chasing European football. Can you believe it? And. Yeah, they kind of deserve it, don't they? I said last week that I, you, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in awe with them. The way that they've done their business, the way that they manage the team, the players that they bring in. I mean, Kevin mentioned it last summer that why can't we go when, when obviously when, when Burnley went down, why can't we go for someone like, like Ben Mee? And I'm thinking, well, he's gone to Brentford. Why would he want to go to Brentford over us? Well, I mean, he's made the right decision, hasn't he now? They're a fantastically run football club and they're doing everything the right way. So I can't, can't say that enough. So they, they were, they've been brilliant and they're, they're great to watch. And scoring three goals again at home, potent. That's potency. That is, uh, and again, yeah, swept us aside. Constant ease. Same old mistakes from us. Tim, team sheet. <laughs> I was excited about this team sheet because I thought, oh, it's a good chance we could see the new boys bedded in, but uh, not to be. They were on the bench. Uh, no Kai Walker-Peters, of course. No uh, Chaletzar. No. Bella Kotchap, no Orsich, because all involved on that Friday night, of course. Lots, lots of anger on Saints Twitter uh, and Nathan Jones putting, I don't know, it just seems like he's putting it in a blender and then picking out at random. And, and it's, it's frustrating because it was a must win. And our two best centre-backs play with the kids on a Friday night. Yeah, and of course, Suleimana and Onuachu on the bench. Now, let your frustrations out, Tim. What was your first thoughts when you saw this, this 11? Well, we saw that they were playing... Uh, the four the four that I mentioned earlier playing in the B team and that they weren't going to be on the bench. And I thought, okay, well, maybe there's something what's going on Uh, right now. To me, we shouldn't be playing Maitland Niles at all. We have enough players on our team that we, so he shouldn't be there. Walcott should be playing with the B's um, because if he wants to be a coach someday, there's no better way to do it than being a, you know, being a being a player manager, and so let him go down there, let him sit down there, let him just fester and hang out and do everything. There's that. Now you're looking at the remaining part of the bench. 
what do we think about, you know, what are we thinking about what's going on? Where's the best choice? Who's what, where, you know, what are their injuries? And yet it still didn't matter. It still didn't matter. I just did not like it. There's just no promise. There's no, you're, we're looking at it and we're thinking, you have to at least get two of the four that were mentioned. Chaletta Sar has been fantastic. He's looked really good. Um, and then you've got, I mean, Orsich is probably the other one that I can think of. Why? Like, just there's just so many problems to think of, and I'm just baffled at what was going on. Looking at it on paper now, I'm looking at it right now, and you, you, the same fans are asking the same sort of question: What is Elianusi doing to stop? the likes of Orsic getting in this team. I don't know. I honestly don't know. And Diallo's, he's streaky, isn't he, at best? And he's just going to be second string at the moment to Alcaraz, because I want to see more of Alcaraz. But yeah, he's been included again. Uh, Che Adams, okay. You know, he scored against Newcastle. I can't really complain. But there's players like Theo Walcott that are coming on. Why are they Why are they involved in this team? And yeah, like Maitland-Niles hasn't really covered himself in glory ever since he came over. But why, again, they still keep being included. There is something going on here that I can't quite understand. Maybe there's, I don't know, maybe he is punishing them privately and, and, and not not saying anything about it. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how else to discuss this bizarre personnel choice. It's just, but I mean, it's not just Nathan Jones because Elianusi was getting in for ages under Ralph. Uh, and it's yeah, everyone seems to love Elianusi. Elianusi does what he's told to do. He he basically goes in there, plays his game, and says, "Oh, where do you need me to be?" He'll go and do it. Will he go and do it spectacularly? No. He'll go in and give you a six or seven out of ten, but he's there to support everybody else. Do you need those players in the team? Yes. Is that what we need at this absolute moment? No. We need flair, we need promise, and we need something that can really make a difference. And Elianusi has not been making a difference. We need excitement. Def- we need that excitement. We need that yeah, factor. I, we need that. Um, I've been a defender of him for a long time. Um, ultimately, he's out of contract at the end of the year, and I don't think he'll be back. So if you're looking at those types of things, we need to be looking at the players who are going to be here and we need to be playing the players who are going to, you know, make and make it make a huge difference. And people and that we've invested a lot of money into, like the new signings, for instance. Correct. So he's not he's people not like Theo Walcott, not like Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And yet they're seeing more first team action in the players that, that, you know, that deserve and should be in there. Yeah, I mean, if if you saw what our depth chart is right now, it's absolutely, I wouldn't say ridiculous, but there's just, so much to, there's just so much to it. He hasn't found the right combination, and that's a problem because we're, we're, we're running out of time, and we're damn near close to it. This game, it was a dreadful, dreadful start again. There was a, One thing you could say on the Ralph is that every single time we started a game, we started pressing, we were high energy, and for the first 20, 30 minutes of the game, we were tough for anybody. Um, whether we'd come out, obviously we'd, we'd lose it eventually or we'd take a, take a lead and then eventually lose. But we're not seeing that under Jones at all. It's worse. We're making these dreadful starts. And, you know, Wissa hit the post after seven minutes and, uh, and Boomer had a shot. And it was just all Brentford in, in terms of chances. I know they weren't clear cut, but we were giving them the chances. Yeah, we just can't cannot afford to be on the back foot. We need to start taking it to teams from the off. And we're not doing that. Getting killed off as well. Two goals what, in four minutes. Ben me. Five minutes before the break, worst time to do it, you know, a header. And then Mbumo, it's game over before the half. Relegation form, that's what it is. And crazy few minutes and that's it, you know. Everton can go and beat Arsenal. Wolves can go and beat Liverpool. And we're throwing in the towel inside 44 minutes. We had two shots in the first half and none of them on target. 
And Brentford had nine. Nine shots to our two. And two of them were on target. And they went in, of course. There just doesn't seem to be any effort there. And he did make the changes at the half. And there was a lot of people saying, if, if Onuachu and Suleimana don't come on straight away, then, you know, this... Uh, we might as well just give up. But Diallo comes off and Elinusi comes off. That's what I you know, mentioned in the starting lineup. Why are those players in there for these sort of players? Um, he did that and it looked better. It did look better. We could see improvements. And Brentford, OK, two new up. They're going to sit back more, aren't they? But we were forcing some openings. We were actually trying to play football. And I think, I think it looked better and it looked positive. And I thought, stupid me, I thought that we could get back into this game. And I thought a point would be fantastic now. A point, any result, any level of confidence, anything that we can do just to get the momentum going in our favor. And it's not there. And then you've got teams like right now with Nottingham Forest who have signed 30 players or something stupid like that and are actually winning against Leeds at the moment. Yeah, um, but did you see decent signs after Ronnie Wachu and Suleimana come on? Did you Did you think that there was going to be a turnaround? No, I thought that I thought what was going to happen is we were going to solidify ourselves and they were going to Brentford was going to sit back a little bit deeper and they were going to try and maintain a little bit more possession, but not and really just kind of let the game go out. Um, I didn't see Onoachu make a whole big difference at all. And I didn't see I didn't think Suleiman outside of that one shot really made a difference either. And those were the only two subs, too. I mean, really. Well, there is, I mean, never mind. There's, I think no, there's, Walcott um, comes on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Yep. <laughs> take that back. Um, Walcott, Alcar, you know, Walcott, Alcaraz and Adam Armstrong. So he did use all five. But... Yeah, but, no, but that's, that's, that's fine, Tim. The fact that they made those changes and you didn't even notice. Uh, Brentford didn't completely sit back, did they? Because, I mean, they did get another and they did have a chance. I mean, Silesio had to clear one off the line. He was saving Bazuno there. Um, a free, a free kick again, a bog standard pass into the space that we afforded them sleeping again from a set piece and we know we have issues in that area and still it hasn't been addressed i mean how easy is it to say you know you need to switch on when there's a free kick because you know what's coming don't you you know the ball is going to be whipped into the box you know that there's going to be time to actually think about it deal with it but they switch off again and uh i think it's tony isn't it that has a shot he just runs into the space picks the ball up turns shoots and he's beaten bazunu but but salisu has to clear it off the line adams had a chance he uh, walcott actually gets gets the shot and uh, charging raya and it rebounds and it falls to che and he's, he's just got a header and he doesn't even get it on target and it's just sums up the day really um fortunately um or unfortunately i was doing some work during this time so had to go back and watch the highlights and uh, i mean it just looking through it all there was there wasn't really anything there it didn't see any promise it didn't see anything going well it just doesn't look good and I'm scary to think about it all yeah and Matthias Jensen wrapped it up with a another uncontested header and just put the ball in the box and we can see easy it's that's that's the game plan that's all that uh, the Wolves need to do this week they need to say right right boys put the ball in the box we win the game that's it you get the rest of the week off that's it <laughs> Yeah. And I don't know, Tim, if you've seen or heard Nathan Jones' comments at the end of the game. Let's go ahead and qu- – uh, yes, but let's go <laughs> yeah. ahead. And you've, you've got, I know you've got the quotes lined I've up. I've got the quotes. Yeah, as I say, I've had to sift through a lot of shit this week. But, yeah, he has said, um, I've let everyone down because I was brought in to drive the standards and that wasn't good enough today. I've allowed certain things to happen and gone away from what's made me successful in the past. I've listened to people and it's been to my detriment. I've compromised too much. 
what you've seen today, that's not the way my team plays or my teams play. <laughs> what, did, what did you make of that? He's putting the blame elsewhere. Yeah. Ultimately, the, I've done it your manager. way. Now I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. So ultimately, the manager is the one who is in charge and therefore everything falls on him. So regardless of if you're taking advice from other people and if you are taking advice, who are you taking advice from? Start calling yeah, them out. That's if what you're I gonna, mean. Is that his coaching staff? If you're gonna go, if you're gonna go down, you might as well just, you know, burn burn everything along along the way while you're doing it. Because at this point, because I want to know what he what he truly means by that. Was he given was Sport Republic telling him what to think about? Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't get it. I, I hope I, I hope I really truly hope that he's right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope that he's been listening to other people and it's wrong. And now he's been like, right, okay, I've listened to you. Now now you're gonna listen to me and it's gonna turn around right now and we're gonna get it right. And I, that, that's that's what I can that's all the only thing I can hope. But as it's coming out, it looks like we're a joke and everybody's laughing at us. Um, but the um, the stats on this game, then we've had 51 percent of the possessions and so more possession again, 14 shots each. But only five of uh, five of ours are on target and only three of theirs are on target. And of course, all three of them went in uh, the XG. We got 0.6 and they were 2.1 from 14 shots and five on target. It's just it's not good enough at all no, nowhere near good enough tim i'm going to ask you the, the the most difficult question that you're probably going to have this weekend and who's your man of the match against brentford no one <laughs> um now i'm gonna go with i mean damn uh i am gonna go with of all people i'm gonna go with salisu uh, i think he made a number of interceptions a number of blocks and uh, had a good couple clearances off the line and was in decent positions for a lot of those you are aware that we conceded three goals, weren't you? Yes, I am. And that's the state <laughs> of the team where right now we I am giving the man of the match to a defender in a 3-0 loss. OK, yeah, I'm going to give it to a dozy because I know he was guilty on a few occasions of giving the ball away. But I mean, he was running with the ball and he was trying to look positive and he won us some free kicks as well. And I don't know if I'm if, if he got anyone booked. I think he did. Um so, yeah, I'm going to give it to, to, to Adozi because I still like him and I still think he needs to be in the starting 11, especially at the moment. I think he's um, yeah, I think he's I think he's good. I think he is. And I, I, I enjoy watch, watching him play. And I'm never, never sad when I see him in the starting 11. So, yeah, Adozi gets it for me, even though he didn't play the whole game. Um, OK, Tim, uh, next week, then another. They just seem to be getting more and more uh, crucial, don't they? Especially as the. As the time is running out, but we got Wolves next uh, next Saturday, Saturday the 11th, and that's a 3 p.m. kickoff uh, at St Mary's. Um, yeah, they're they're quite mixed form-wise at the moment, aren't they? Because they've had a loss, a draw, a win, a loss, and a win. So I don't really know where they are at the moment. They, I mean, they lost one nil to Man United. They drew one one with Villa. They beat West Ham one nil. Lost three nil to City, and then they go and beat Liverpool three nil. So. I mean, I, I, the only thing I, c I can get from that, the last five, is that until the Liverpool game, they don't score many goals. But that Liverpool result will give them all the confidence, really, won't it? And they've, they've scored 15 goals all season, and we've scored 17. And you know how much we struggle, right? So they don't seem to score a lot of goals. Um, and their leading goal scorers, Ruben Neves and, and Daniel Podence, and they've got five apiece. Um, and the assists, uh, Jal Moutinho and Nelson Semedo, 
doing all the dishing. Um, yeah, so we need to watch out for them. Neves is a fantastic footballer, by the way. I'm a big, big fan of his. Uh, also, we have to mention that it's the return of Mario Lamina to St. Mary's as well. Wow. Uh, the return of Mario Lamina. That's like, the, the thing I'm most excited about. <laughs> 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 oh, geez. So I would kill for their form right now. And by their form is they're just all over. Like you said, they're all over the place. So Lopa Degui has been he's came in right after the uh, the World Cup break for them. Um, and so hopefully uh, he won't be able to do the same as we when we lost one zero to them back in September. Yeah, that so, was a horrible goal, wasn't it? You remember yeah. the ball went across the face of the goal and he kind of like hit it into the ground. Bazunia yeah. was wrong footed and it kind of just rolled in, didn't it? it was, oh, yeah, that was that was horrible. Yeah, and it was kind of we we probably kept Bruno Lodge in, in his job a little bit longer than he probably should have. So um, and then they go and crush Liverpool three zero at home this week. Now Liverpool is sitting tenth, so is that something? They're just they're in a free fall at the moment, but yeah, so it's is that great, something to look at? <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's good to see any. I mean, them and Chelsea aren't doing too well, which is good. Um, but uh, so I mean, Lopetegui has him on track to finish mid table. Uh, you said Ruben Neves, Jose Sa, and then the Matthias uh, group. Uh, so there's Matthias Cunha, who they recently signed a loan from Atletico Madrid, and then so Matthias Nunez as well. Mm-hmm. So those two are uh, creating, you know. What is Lopetegui is creating and using a flexible 4-4-2, and with their decent depth, they are creating a pseudo Portuguese AB squad. <laughs> so uh, I don't know the way to look at it. Um, and you know, even when looking at the highlights, Lamina didn't even look too bad when he played against Liverpool and he started right away against them. Uh, so you know, what are we looking for? What are we trying to expect? Um, I don't even know, but I do think though that I think he is going to go to a back four. Um, I if he goes to a back five, well, then he should be sacked before halftime. But if it's a back four, then let's see what we can do. Um, we had four players that, you know, with Mara, DCC, Orsic and Gineppo, who you know, either seeing the starting 11 or on the bench and Bree starts if KWP is still injured. So um, I'm going with uh, Bree, uh, DCC, Salisu. Um, Perot at the back. Um, if you have uh, Belkacha back on the bench, you can. And um, I'm just hoping. I guess there's certain things that I really hope for. And I guess with the the championship uh, lingering over us, if you keep Belkacha up on the bench, uh, maybe Nathan Jones is going to torpedo his value so that he'll want to play with us again next year because I think he's really good and still has a lot of promise. So I'm happy. Uh, let's hope that happens. And then we've got Lavia. Um, I'd prefer Alcaraz, but I could I see why he's wanting Diallo as like the six eight hybrid um, JWP, and then we have so many options in attack. Um, is it at, you know we've got Adams, Adozi, Onwachu, Mara, Aribo, Janepo, Orsic, Sulemania, Eloni uh, Nusi, Stuart Armstrong is injured, and then of course he goes and plays Walcott. So <laughs> why like just why just why so. Pick your, you know, you you pick your three out of the group. I don't think uh, Onoachi doesn't start. I think it's Adams up top, and then you've got somebody like I, I think maybe he'll start Sulemania on the left, and then Adozi on the right. I think he's got to. He's got to start Sulemana. I think. I, I, yeah, I think he needs to show what he can do. Why we bought him, um, and this is a perfect opportunity. I mean, he didn't want to put him in straight away. I get that. It happens all the time, but. 
Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think he needs to do it. I think with Craig Dawson and Max Kilman at their back, uh, they they can they can be susceptible to speed, and also then you're hopefully will, you're going to hope that Nelson Semedo is pushing too far forward as the right back. Sulemania slips uh, behind and then is able to get an assist to either Adams or. Um, and James Wood Prowse coming in, uh, coming in late on the run. And on the right, uh, well, I guess their left side, eight Nori, um, is, is definitely one to watch out for. But the Matthiases, um, Matthias Nunez and Matthias, especially Matthias Cunha, um, scary to think about. Not, not looking forward to it. Okay. Predictions then. So I'm going to go with the very, very, like I said at the start, uh, I think Wolves struggling for goals and obviously we are. We're not great at home either. I can't see us beating them. So I think the only, only result that I can possibly go for is a 1-0 win to Wolves. So that is all I can see. Um, Kevin is next um, and he has sent me his uh, prediction and he's going for a 1-1, slightly more optimistic than me, which, by the way, Tim, I'll take at the moment because I'm that low down on, on anything. Any point is vital at the moment. So, yeah, I welcome that. But, uh, yeah, how, how are you seeing this? I don't see any progress. I think we're going to get pumped again and I think it's going to be 4-1 loss. Oh, Jesus, Tim, Tim, you really think that Wolves can score four? Yeah. If Brentford can score three, they can. Wolves can easily score four against us. I, I hope you're wrong, Tim. I really do. I can't. I, I that would just be tragic. If we concede four at home to Wolves, then we might as well just say Let, let's stop the league now and we just um, we'll, we'll just go down. Because I that's... really, I really want to apologize for everyone because I feel like I've just been bitching and moaning the last like two and a half hour, you know, two and a half hours as long as we an hour and a half since we've talked here. I really apologize, but it just doesn't look. It just looks bleak and. I don't, I don't, it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling to have. No, it's, you, you can't get excited. You can't try and be positive. There's nothing to be positive about, I say, apart from the signings that we've made. Um, then it's fine. It, everyone's feeling the same at the moment. It's, and the only way that they can change that is by performing on the pitch. And they have to do that against Wolves. And yeah, I just hope that you're wrong. I really do. Same um, here. Discord then uh, predictions from the week. Uh, of course, we've had two games: Newcastle and Brentford. Uh, plenty of you guys went for a Newcastle win, but only New Jersey Scott said two-one, so he gets the four points there. Uh, and Brentford again, plenty of us going for Brentford wins, um, but no one was going for a three-nil. Uh, and I want to name and shame our former leader, Colt Baker, who went. He went from first to third this week because he went two-one wins uh, to Saints on both games, uh, meaning he's lost his top spot to the conservative Dan Fox uh, and Frederick Lazaro jumps him as well into second. So, and I also leapfrogged the Moscow mush. So have that Kevin. Um, uh, Super six round 34 is still ongoing. We're awaiting those two games still uh, forest Leeds, Spurs city. Um, but overall at the moment, it's uh, Adam Lever, sorry, Adam Lever on nine um, and overall league. Uh, Kevin Jewell is in the lead on 301. Tim, have you had a chance to look at fantasy football this week? Because I, I haven't. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm looking at oh, it. OK, so, good. Uh, the podcasters league right now. I am up to third. Um, but we still got Kinder Mabueno, uh at uh, with a total of 1,298 points sitting top. Uh, 
Kevin, the Moscow Mush, Milverton uh, sitting in his second uh, with 1283, and me sitting in third with 1268. I've got 50. I've gotten pretty good right now. I'm looking at 51 points on the week. Uh, this is Sunday morning, which we're recording, so the average is 29 at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, I'm on 30. I think I'm just one over the average. <laughs> yeah, I I captained uh, Marcus Rashford, which is helping me out. I've got Matoma and uh, in there as well, and uh, and Shaw. Who's looking, which is looking really good for me. It's helping out a lot. Um, so continuing on with our league, the uh, so Jamie Thorpe is now the top spot at 1375. He's got 66 on the week. He decided to triple captain Marcus Rashford, which was a smart choice because he's sitting on 36 points with another game week to go against Leeds. So that's good for him. Uh, looking at that. Um, what else, what else has he got? Oh, and he had also Kepa or Isabelaga and goal, uh, which has helped him out with a solid 10 points there. Um, dropping down the second is Obi-Wan Kenobi and Marlon Ailing Allen, uh, with 1372. So, uh, 46. So he's dropping down a little bit, but once again, he captain Rashford. Um, he's got Shaw. He's got Wolver. He's playing uh, Juan Bissaka, so he's got a lot of two-game uh, week players at the moment. And then third is Paul Gillum in Grand Canarian Saint. He is better than me at Fantasy Premier League. <laughs> uh, rounding out the top five is Nick Cooper and Lucy Hynett, who always seems to be doing really well. So. Yep. Always. Uh, and next week, of course, we'll, we'll be going over that Wolves game and we'll be preparing for our trip to Stamford Bridge. I'm going to say it now, Tim. You know that, that Chelsea aren't going to start winning until they play us and that's going to kickstart their season and they end up in a Champions League spot. This is what's going to happen. We're going to propel them uh, up the table uh, and Wolves as well because, as I say, it's uh, oh, it's difficult. It's not getting easier, is it? But need, need, need those three points against Wolves next week. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. So, uh, until then, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up my Southampton. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.